Hey guys, this is Patrick O'Brien with uh, Phenom Hoots, bringing you another latest episode of the Phenom Hoots podcast. Today I'm here joined with Jeff Bendel, Rick Lewis, as always. Uh, guys, how's everybody, how's everybody doing today on this Monday? Doing well. How about yourself, Patrick? Doing well. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's good. It's good to hear. Doing great. It's good to hear, guys. Well, we thought it'd be a little, kind of a little special here. Obviously, one of the hottest, uh, hot topics uh, this Monday was Sunday's premiere of The Last Dance. Talking about the Chicago Bulls, uh, Michael Jordan kind of gave an inside story and look um, of the 1997-1998 uh, season. Kind of get a little back uh, background of uh, or view, I guess, into the, the Jordan era as well as other players, and just it was it was quite interesting there. So we thought we'd you know talk a little bit about it, kind of give our thoughts, uh, a little quick podcast here of everything there. So I'll start with you, Rick. Talk a little, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts. We only had two episodes. There's 10 of them all together. So we only got the first two there. But what did you think so far of the series? Um, and what did you like so far? It was outstanding. It might have been the quickest two hours on TV. Um, you know, if they would have put all 10 episodes on last night, I'd have probably stayed up the entire night and watched every single one of them. I don't blame you on that one. I probably would. I, don't, I think we all would have done that there. I mean, I was reading on Twitter that it was – it was just a shame that everybody was like, that was the quickest two hours, like you said, because everybody was needing some sports. But also, we would have been happy to stay up for another eight hours to watch the rest of them there. So It was, intri- it was intriguing. It was um, entertaining. And um, I think the way they flashed back between Jordan's high school career, his youth, and the days of Carolina, um, the way they mixed it in with the, um, his you know, playing days at the Chicago Bulls was, was really fun to watch. Yeah. Jeff, what what you kind of uh, what you think? I know you were watching it as well. Yeah, no, I, I mean I have to agree. I, I got you, your guys' thoughts. I felt like it was uh, it was just it's just the start of something that I I kind of actually like that they haven't put it all out to the public already and you know accessible to watch all at once just because you know that's kind of the society we're in. But um, I kind of like the anticipation and, and getting to wait because I mean it's just the start of of you know the the whole bigger story but it was great. It gives you something to look forward to, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, episode one, we got a chance to kind of get, like uh, Rick said, was a little uh, talk about Michael Jordan. You got to see early on his career at UNC, uh, high school career, kind of how everything built up and everything like that. I thought it was most – I think my favorite part of the episode one was uh, when uh, Roy Williams came on. And he was talking about um, uh, watching Michael at the, uh, coming in. And, you know, Michael wanted to show that he was the best and he had to, you know, go out and work, outwork everybody. And he said he was – I forget what the exact quote, but there's – that no one was going to outwork him. I thought Roy was fantastic there. And then you got to see just kind of how the life was a little bit with um, the relationship he had with Coach uh, Dean Smith at UNC. I think that was probably my favorite part of episode one there I, I just enjoyed that there Rick what did you kind of think I, I know you obviously you were watching watching them I mean you were able to see see him back in the day but also just kind of reliving and looking back of what did you kind of what did you like and what did you see and what did you what were some of the things that you didn't know about well the thing that I came away impressed with was uh, Michael Jordan is insanely competitive uh, he may be one of the most competitive human beings out there especially his play on the court. 
And um, it goes back from when, you know, he was cut as a sophomore on, on the varsity team. Um, even going to the Chicago Bulls and just had to earn the respect. Although he was a rookie, he wanted to prove that um, he was going to be a leader. And, you know, even when he was hurt, you know, and um, they limited him to seven minutes, um, you know, per half, 14 minutes a game. And, you know, he had the mindset no matter what, he wanted to play to win. And I think that was the biggest takeaway. And, um, you know, and you just look at the Twitter feed from a lot of the young players out there. After they watched that, the first thing they said is they can't wait to get on the basketball court. Um, I was talking to my son Colby after the after it was over last night. He goes, man, I want to go out and hoop. Um, <laughs> it, it just had that kind of impression where people just watched it and they were just amazed by his work ethic, um, never had excuses, um, the insanely competitive nature he had on the court, and he just hated to lose. And um, you just don't see that kind of player this today's age. Um, the most competitive player that I think I've ever seen in my lifetime was Michael Jordan. What was your, what was your thoughts of just maybe his rookie season uh, with Chicago? I, I was looking at his stats because I was just so fascinated because I couldn't remember exactly what his was. Um, I think it was, what, 28 points a game or something like that he was averaging. And, I mean, he only had – he, you know, he did it all with the mid-range attacking his, you know, his ability to just levitate, it felt like, through air and everything. What, what do you remember just kind of his rookie season and just the emergence of Jordan? Well, well, just listening to him, you, you could see when even when he was a rookie, he was very shy and very bashful. And, but most importantly, he was very, very humble. And there's a running joke that the only person to hold Michael Jordan under 20 points was um, Dean Smith. But when he came to Carolina as a freshman – um, you have to remember, you had James Worthy, you had Sam Perkins, you had Matt Doherty, Jimmy Black. They had a pretty established team. And, you know, you know, just like James Worthy said, you know, two weeks into the practice, someone like James Worthy, who's one of the top 50 players of all time, he made a comment, two weeks into the practice, they realized Michael Jordan was the best player on the team. And that's coming from someone that really didn't have a lot of fanfare, you know, as far as uh, his junior year in high school. And this is a true story. Like when he went up to the UNC camp um, going into his, his senior year, um, what Roy Williams said, this guy was really, really good. Um, he was invited to some national camps. And, you know, the rumor mill was they didn't want him to go because if he got on a national level, the whole country would know how good he was as a high school player. I think Michael Jordan took the same mentality he had at Carolina being a team player. And he took it to Chicago and everything was built around the team. And he wanted to be the best player he could, but he wanted the team to win. And I think that's what he exemplified when he stepped on the court at Carolina also with the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what are your kind of thoughts? I, obviously, you know, we're di different, different generations and everything like that there. But, you know, you get a chance to see some, some of the younger guys on Twitter their thoughts of kind of seeing MJ, but as well. So I want to kind of pick your brain, just what you, what your thoughts kind of be able to look back at what he was able to do. Yeah, I was, uh, I was kind of on the tail end of Michael Jordan's career, but I definitely remember him um, growing up. I remember watching him uh, on TV and everything like that. Uh, I, I felt the things that stuck out to me, like kind of Rick said, you know, he, he was a, you know, renowned high school player and everything, but he needed those years at UNC to become the player he was. I mean, he even spoke about his sophomore year, you know, the switch going off and learning that he could really dominate. And I just think it's interesting because we have seen so many guys that have gone straight from high school to the pros 
now more recently than uh, ever before, just with the, uh, you know, accessibility. But, you know, LeBron James, Tracy McGrady, Kevin Garnett, some of the great Kobe Bryant, some of the greatest players of all time have done that. But the greatest player in Michael Jordan, um, you know, needed that nurturing kind of environment and the coaching that he got in college. And I think another point is, is whether you feel, you know, LeBron James or Michael Jordan's the best player of all time, I think it kind of goes without saying that he is the most iconic and basketball player to ever play the game. I think like if you were to make a Mount, Mount Rushmore, when I think basketball, Michael Jordan's the first thought that comes to my head. He is the definition of basketball. And I mean, maybe that's just in the time that I grew up and maybe that used to be Julius Serving or, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but it, it really feels like he was the, the, the guy of, of the game. Yeah. And I, I, you know, the debates are going to continue. I've, I've watched multiple shows today talking about it, about debate now, bringing it back up. MJ, LeBron, of course, it's going to keep on going, obviously, especially after this. So, um, but then when you had it, that was episode one, episode two, I thought it was actually, it was actually very interesting. Uh, just diving into more of Scotty, um, you know, like I, I think everybody was, a lot of people were surprised when they learned about the, uh, uh, him being the manager at Central Arkansas early on, um, and then he grew. He hit, he was sitting there about six one, and then he grew to six six five, then to six seven, and he was just dominating everybody. And then obviously the big one was the big hot topic was his contract for the Chicago Bulls. Oh yeah. The what what was it? Seven years, eighteen million. That's just That's under. Right. What what about like two point some two point eight or something like that? Around two and a half. Somewhere around there. Um for seven years. And did they did it was it the right move? Did he was did they you know, kind of just the debate about you know, obviously he deserved way more than that, but you know, was it the right move for him and everything like that? So Jeff, back to you here. Scotty, what were your thoughts on that kind of episode? What he provided to the kind of the Bulls of what you found out when watching the episode, and what did you kind of find interesting? Any other tidbits there? Well, I uh, I'll, I'll start by saying I think it's interesting how Jerry Krause has come out to be kind of a villain in this whole thing. Not to say that he's not, but more the, so the Space Jam villain. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think it's interesting. People are about what he did was was considered great in his industry. He got a player that was below market value or for, for nothing. I mean, he got Scotty Pippen, one of the greatest players to ever play for, for nothing. And, and they, everybody's so quick to say, well, I mean, he's evil and the blah, blah, blah. The fact they won't restructure your contract. They should be mad at Scotty Pippen's agent, not Jerry Krause, the guy who offered him the contract. He chose to sign and his agent advised him to do so anyway. Um, yeah, Scottie Pippen is definitely one of the one of the greatest players of all time, and and one of the greatest second players of all time. I think uh, this was a great reminder of kind of where he sits in history because it, it goes back and forth. People whether they remember how good he was or not, but um, I think Jordan needed Pippen, and Pippen needed Jordan. I I think, and that's kind of evident in their careers. Um, that eight year stretch where they won six titles. Uh, it, it was he needed Scottie Pippen, but Scottie Pippen was also huge. Um, you know, he averaged 20 points a game, seven rebounds, eight, six assists, two, two and a half steals and a block a game um, as, as a second fiddle, which which those are ridiculous. 
ridiculous numbers for, you know, playing alongside somebody that's so ball dominant like Michael. So it, it kind of, and it, and it was his, you know, two way game. It complimented Michael Jordan so well because of what he did defensively and how he could kind of stir up trouble alongside, you know, Michael Jordan and somebody like Dennis Rodman. So, um, yeah, it was just interesting to see how they kind of pieced that together and how it's kind of played out. But he, he made plenty of money in his career oh, yeah. um, for sure afterwards. Oh, yeah. But, but he kind of showed that he, you know, afterwards when he left Chicago, it was, you know, one year removed, he's five points less a game. And, and, and it kind of just shows that he was in a perfect setting for him to succeed. Yeah. Rick, what is yeah. – what is yeah, I was going you know, to tag team on that. I think the thing is with, with the general manager there, I, I know a general manager is supposed to look after the best interests of the team and get the best players for the least amount of money. I think where a lot of people probably had a problem with it is, um, you know, somewhere along the line you have to sit back and say, you know what, we have to reward him a, a fair market value. I think the situation would have been if, if they would have came back to Pip and said, listen, you're really underpaid. You're, you're basically the perfect complement to Michael Jordan. They won all these rings. You would have thought a, a good general manager would have basically come back and said, hey, you know what? You're undervalued. Let's make it right. Let's pay you what you should be paid. And I think, you know, that's just a different take that I have on it myself personally. Yeah. He definitely should have done that. I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. That that should have definitely happened. I didn't say that that was that he was smart to not do that. I just saying yeah. signing him, proposing the deal, getting him to lock into that deal. That's that's. I mean, savvy business move. And you know, yeah. And, and over time, and the thing it about it, would have been, yeah. And the thing about it is, is you know, you, you saw the story on Scotty Pippen. He grew up from a very small rural town in Arkansas, very poverty stricken. And you know, for him, if he made the comment, you know. You know, at the time, you know, the the seven years for eighteen million—that was a lot of money in his eyes. Um, it was below the market value, but for him at that time, you know, he didn't want to take a chance of getting hurt and not having the money. So, I, I see his point, and you know, someone coming from a situation that you don't have a lot of money, and someone throws that figure out at you, it's still a big number. Um, but I agree. I, I agree. You know, they they made him out to be the villain. You know, the, the um, Jerry Krause stuff to be the villain. He's probably somewhere in between for me. Exactly. Rick, I, I immediately thought of you when watching the episode number two when we were watching Scotty. And I would love to pick your brain here just for a few seconds or a few minutes here. One, what can, what can kids learn from Scotty of that he went to, you know, he was the manager at Central Arkansas. He worked his way through there, became what the, the fifth pick. Um, and then just being kind of that complimentary role with Michael, not always having the light. I mean, I immediately thought I was like, Scotty would have been a perfect uh, Rick's Fab Five or something right there. He would have made the list every every week at the camps and everything. What can kids learn from what seeing what Scotty did and the road he kind of took and all the way through the NBA and everything? Well, he would have definitely won my award for the um, saying – it's not where you start that counts. It's where you finish. Um, he would have definitely won that award. Um, I think the main thing is, you know, he went to Central Arkansas State at the time. I think they were NAIA. Uh, he was six one. You know, uh, naturally, a lot of people wasn't going to uh, recruit or offer a six one kid at that time that didn't have the skill set, didn't have the athleticism. But when you grow from six one to six seven, you know, during your um, college career and it just shows you that it's not where you start, it's where you finish. And I think for a lot of young players, is they, they 
they try to get to a certain level way too soon. Um, and I think we live in a microwave society where everybody wants something instantly. And sometimes you just have to sit back and you have to work um, as hard as you can and just let it happen organically. Uh, I think sometimes we try to supersede ourselves and, and try to make it happen before it's ready. And I think he's a perfect example of just being patient, working hard. And, you know, um, and I believe this, like, you know, God had a plan for him, you know, he, he grew those six, seven inches in college and the rest is history. But, you know, for Scotty Pippen, you know, with Jordan, they call him Batman and Robin. I think he was the perfect, basically the perfect teammate, compliment player to Michael Jordan. And, um, you know, they, they both needed each other. You know, Robin needed Batman and Batman needed Robin. Yep. A lot of people, a lot of kids can learn from that. Honestly, when you, when you really dive into that relationship and what they, how they were cohesive on the court there. Um, so that was episode one was fantastic. Episode two was there. And then I feel like I have to go, I really want to go back and watch those, uh, that series against ba the Boston Celtics when he went for 49 and 63. Uh, I, I watch those games. I actually remember it. Oh, really? Well, let me, oh, yeah. let's hear it then. Let's hear. <laughs> well, the 63 game was unbelievable. I mean, they lost the game, but, um, the perform performance, uh, Michael Jordan put on was just spectacular, but, it just shows you what a um, impact that he had on the league very early. Um, and you can only imagine the people in Portland just sitting there watching that game, uh, series last night and just saying, what if, if he would have been um, picked by Portland yeah. instead of um, being number three for Chicago. But it was a great, it was a great show. Um, I think it's, um, I think it, it, it really just captivated the whole United States. I mean, I, I saw where it was trending number one. And 25 of the top 27 topics were related to the last dance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it caught everybody's attention. And especially during a time that needs sports, I think this is just a perfect time. Perfect storm. Time. Perfect storm there. So episode one, episode two is in the books. Um, I know Jeff, myself, and Rick, and pretty much everybody else that, you know, wants to even think about basketball, plays basketball, or just wants to dribble basketball or like sports in general, we'll be watching next Sunday uh, for episode three and four. So we just wanted to bring a little special uh, podcast here, kind of our thoughts of the first two. Um, so, Rick, you got something? Yeah, I just wanted to say um, one thing. I just want to um, give a special shout-out to you guys. Um, you know, Patrick and Jeff and also Donna, you guys have been cranking out content after content. Um, and it's really amazing, um, especially the unsigned senior spotlight. Um, we can put some of the stories out on unsigned seniors and a couple of days later, you're seeing that they're getting interest and they're getting offers. Not that they weren't getting contacted by their schools previously, but uh, I do think the um, articles that we are putting out especially during this downtime is very instrumental in keeping young players name out in front of college coaches. And I would just want to say thank you for the job you guys have done because what you guys have been doing, cranking out, you know, six, eight, 10 articles a day um, is pretty amazing during this downtime. Thank you, boss. I appreciate that. We appreciate it, Rick. You've been doing the same thing. I know you've been working your tail off over there in your, in your office. I have been, but no, nothing that compares what you guys have done as far as content. And like I said, um, you and um, Jeff and Donnie have just been cranking out content and videos. And I, I think it's very important. And we're seeing a lot of people 
um, show a lot of appreciation for what we're doing as Phenon as a team um, to keep players' names out in front of college coaches. And uh, that's very rewarding for me personally. Yeah. Well, I think, that's a great way to, I think that's a great way to end it before he actually tells you what he, what he really thinks of us off camera. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be like that. Just kidding. Just kidding. But we appreciate it there. Again, you know, go to our website, like Rick said, at phenomhoopreport.com. We got a ton of articles, recruiting, unsigned seniors, player spotlights, videos. And check us out on all the uh, social media outlets there. So from Rick, Jeff, and myself, we'll be back uh, – pretty soon with another uh, podcast episode and we thank you and make sure to subscribe with us as well Woo!